0: Lights, camera, action.
1: What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the podcast.
0: Hey, everyone.
1: Today, we're going to be talking about what is revered as one of the greatest James Bond films of all time. Yes, that's right. We are talking about none other than Skyfall. Now, if you haven't seen this movie before, go ahead and pause this episode. You can watch this movie on Amazon Prime. It is streaming for free. So if you haven't seen it, go check it out and then come right back here and give us a listen. So without further ado, uh, M, you have some film details for us?
0: I do. So this film was released on November 9th of 2012. It was directed by Sam Mendez. It is starring Daniel Craig, Javier Bardem. Is that is that how you say his last name? Yes. Okay. Judy Dench and Naomi Harris. It was distributed by Sony Pictures. It has a runtime of two hours and 23 minutes. It's rated PG-13. Its budget was $200 but its box office total was $1.1 billion. Wow.
1: Yeah, I do remember when I was researching for the film that um, it was the second highest grossing film of 2012.
0: Yes. I can't remember what it was right behind. What was it?
1: marvel's the avengers oh really yes wow yep that was the number one grossing movie of 2012
0: very cool yep all right well i also have some fun facts okay so i will dive right in so the first one that i have is that so during the whole you know chase at the beginning you know before they hop on the train they're you know james bond is Um, chasing after this bad guy on, um, like, mopeds or motorcycles or whatever. Well, the bikes kept sliding all over the road while they were rehearsing this. Okay. And so someone had the idea to spray Coca-Cola all over the road. Really? To help with the traction because, you know, as it dried, it got stickier. And so, yeah, so they sprayed Coca-Cola all over the road, and that's how they were able to, you know, get, get through the road without slipping. Wow. Yeah.
1: I mean, it makes sense why it would work, but yeah. never heard of anything like that.
0: And I don't know that I would have ever come up with that kind of solution. but
1: Yeah. Ah, that's awesome.
0: And I also read that actually Coke Zero was like one of the endorsers or sponsors or whatever for, for this episode or not episode, movie. Right. But, um, and so they were going to try to use that, but since it's zero sugar, it wasn't as, en- it wasn't uh, sticky enough. Oh yeah. That so, makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. Um. So, the next one is so when James you know, like reappears yes. after quote unquote dying right um at m s house, yes, that was actually filmed at John Barry's house, and he was actually the person who came up with the bond theme, and he scored eleven of the movies. Okay. He passed away the year before this movie came out. So they felt that this would be a good tribute to him to film M's house at his house.
1: That's really cool that yeah. they would make her house his. Yeah. Uh, that's a really cool like real world integration of the Bond mythos, which is like mm-hmm. huge, by the way, the history of the character of James Bond and character acquisition, everything like super rich history.
0: Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, next one. Daniel Craig performed most of the stunts himself, including the fight scene on top of the train car. And it was traveling um fifty kilometers, which is about thirty-one miles per hour, if you convert it. So, but he did all of those stunts himself.
1: Wow, that's very impressive.
0: I know. Um, next one, Sean Connery was Mendez's top choice to play, Kincaid. Yes. Um but the filmmakers ultimately decided not to cast him because they thought it might be confusing for audiences, which, right. for those of you who don't know, Sean Connery played James Bond in, yeah, he was earlier. He was
1: one of the, I think he was the very first James Bond I ever. I think you're right, yeah. And definitely the most famous actor to play James Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's actually, there was a poll done to see, like, which James Bond actor was audience's favorite. And I believe even today he's still people's favorite. Mm-hmm. But yes, so I I saw that too, that Mm -hmm. they thought about bringing him in to play Kincaid, but they thought it might be too gimmicky and confusing, so they decided not to.
0: And they also had thought that he might not even be willing to do it if they asked him because they had, or somebody had asked him about coming out of retirement to be in Indiana Jones Yeah, and he wouldn't. So they figured he might not even be willing to. Yeah. Um, next fact. So Javier Bardem, who, um, plays...
1: Mr. Silva.
0: Yes, Mr. Silva. Sorry, I blinked on the name. No, it's okay. Had the script translated into Spanish for himself so that he could better understand and interpret the character he was playing. And he was commended greatly for this, um, just because it showed his dedication and commitment and, I mean... You can see his commitment in his performance, too. He does yeah. an awesome job. But, yeah, it was just to kind of help him better yeah. play the character. Because yeah. Spanish is his first language.
1: I did. I read that, too. One thing I saw was that um, Sam Mendes, the director, was lobbying very hard for the villain to be played by Javier Bardem. Yes. Um, and Javier was kind of on the fence. Like, he was interested but not sold. And they kept working with him. And when he finally asked for it to be translated into Spanish, they felt like that was just a huge like confidence boost for him, for mm-hmm. them, that like he was for sure finally going to do it.
0: Right. So um, another fact is that Kevin Spacey was actually offered a role in this movie. Really? It was not disclosed which role it was, um, but it's believed that it would have been for the role of... Um, Silva or somebody else, they're not sure, but, um, yeah, so he had to turn it down because of scheduling conflicts. Interesting. Um, next the opening scene. So, you know, the one that I was just talking about with the, with the trains. Yes. It took four months to prep, three months to rehearse and two months to shoot. So nine months total. Yeah. And there were 400 crew members involved with the production of this scene too. Wow so a lot went into it, yeah, um, also, there were so when they were trying to come up with the title for this movie, obviously they landed on Skyfall, but before they chose that title, they had two others that they had considered. The first one was called "Once Upon a Spy," okay. and then they decided to do away with that one, and then the second one they came up with was "Nothing is Forever."
1: Nothing is Forever isn't too bad. Right. I I kind of like that one. I didn't like Once Upon a Spy. Yeah, I don't like that either. It feels, I mean, I think it would work maybe for back in the 60s mm-hmm. and 70s, like mm-hmm. when Bond was first getting going. Right. Um, but it feels like it doesn't fit with Daniel Craig's Bond.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And my last fact is that, so in the scene where they're um, in this I don't know, like a restaurant, I guess, Um, when there's like the fight scene when James turns in that coin to be.
1: They were in a casino.
0: A casino. Yes. (laughs) Thanks. I just remember (laughs) wine being served. Yes. So um, in the fight scene with the when they fall into the Komodo dragon pit, I guess you would call it. The Komodo dragons were completely CGI and they didn't even use real ones in the scenes where like the actors were not like in the same shot as them yeah. or anything. Um, and S- Mendes, the director, said that it was an absolute nightmare and he would never use CGI animals again. Really? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I'm i not surprised that they used entirely CGI animals. I am a little bit surprised um, that they wouldn't use them for shots that the actors weren't even in. Mm-hmm. But to be fair, I mean komodo dragons are extremely dangerous. dangerous yeah and i don't i can't imagine that there'd be a lot of them that are even in those like hollywood production circles right you know, because they're like handlers and trainers for like tigers and bears and stuff like that mm-hmm. but i don't komodo dragons aren't even used in movies that often right so yeah
0: yeah but. all right well, that is all the facts that i have
1: Okay. Well, I will jump into production details then. Um, Let me get my notes pulled up. All right. So, Skyfall. Skyfall is Daniel Craig's third outing as James Bond. His first one uh, was in the groundbreaking Casino Royale, and his second one was in the highly controversial uh, Quantum of Solace. So, They knew that after having a strong opening with Casino Royale and following up with kind of a lukewarm movie that was really received well or received poorly by fans, that Skyfall had to be big. Um, Prior to Skyfall having its name, it was referred to as Bond 23, because that's how they refer to all the James Bond movies prior to them getting their name is just its numerical value. Mm. So... Uh, For instance, Spectre was Bond 24. No Time to Die was Bond 25, which was a really big deal because, you know, 25 movies, huge milestone. Um, So anyways, development on Bond 23 began in 2009, but it was suspended throughout 2010 because of MGM's financial troubles. So for those of you who don't know, MGM owns the film rights to James Bond. Every single James Bond movie that's ever been produced Released has been done through MGM, but the character rights are controlled by a family of producers. So originally, Albert R. Broccoli was the one who acquired the character rights to James Bond in 1961. And for the last three decades, his son and daughter have been the ones who've been in charge of the character since he passed. So when MGM started having financial troubles, they were on the brink of bankruptcy, everything kind of was put on hold. The Broccoli family started to think about maybe entertaining the idea of doing a Bond movie with a different studio, but they ultimately decided that they were going to stay with MGM during its crisis, which gave them a big leg up uh, to be able to fine-tune the script. Because remember, they're following up Quantum of Solace, which is one of the worst Bond movies of all time, at least as far as fans view it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. They knew that this one had to be big, that there was a lot writing on it. So they chose to stay with MGM. They fine-tuned the script, and there's a reported um, minimum rewriting of the script of at least five times, but it was potentially more than that.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. But I mean, if you have the time.
1: Yeah, exactly. So they really worked on this one. I think the end product shows that it was the right decision to stay with MGM because this one is reviewed as one of the best Bond movies of all time. Um, so, when it was originally being planned, Bond 23 was supposed to follow up on the criminal organization Quantum, which was set up in Quantum of Solace, but after the lackluster response from fans and critics alike, producers started to entertain other ideas. So, to the ideas that producers and directors sam mendez alike felt should be included in the film were one the idea of the villain being a cyber terrorist who had a connection to mi6 and two judy dench's character of m dying at the end of the film so principal photography on the movie began on november 7th 2011 in london some of the filming locations included london england shanghai china and istanbul turkey and a little fun fact about uh, Istanbul, Turkey, that's where the opening scene was shot, where they're on the train and mm-hmm. with the motorcycles and everything. Um, when they were shooting specifically the train sequence, there were two teens that snuck onto the set while they were filming. Really? Yeah, they ended up uh, being apprehended by security and escorted off the set, but um, there weren't really any details of you know, what they did or anything like that. But they broke onto the filming set and uh, were discovered. Hmm. So,
0: Did they try to get like in some of the shots or something?
1: I don't know. It doesn't say. It just says that they broke onto the set. Interesting. Yeah. So anyways, um, and then filming wrapped on May 6th, 2012. And that is all that I have for production details. So, M, how would you score Skyfall on a scale of 1 to 100?
0: You know, I've been starting a lot of these. I want to hear your rating first.
1: Okay, that's fair. <laughs> um, I would rate Skyfall. It's hard for me to rate it because I know that currently Interstellar is the highest rated movie that I've done. Mhm. Um, me too. And I don't think that like I would rate this movie higher just because Interstellar I th- think is better. I agree. But Skyfall's a great movie. Mhm. And it it's hard for me to say. I would probably say I'm going to give it a 96 and a half.
0: Wow. Okay. Yep. And what did you give Interstellar, do you remember?
1: I believe I gave it a
0: 98. I was not going to go that high. Um I was kind of leaning around like maybe 93-ish. Okay. I don't know why. <laughs> it That's is okay. a really good movie, but I just I don't know. I still I struggle with whether I like Casino Royale better than this movie or not.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I, I've
0: only seen the Daniel Craig James Bond movies, but um yeah, I don't I don't know. I like those both. It might it might be a tie between them or possibly Casino Royale above.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Casino Royale is really good. I mm. really like that one too. I would say out of Daniel Craig's entire bond uh collection that either skyfall or casino royale is my favorite i would say probably skyfall Mm -hmm. um but casino royale is right there too yeah it's a really good movie i think what i like more about skyfall is that it feels a little bit uh more true to the lineage of bond Mm -hmm. um just in that like like in casino royale uh q wasn't even in the movie Yeah, that's true. And I do really like Q. Yeah, I like Q too. And he's uh, like a very important character in the Bond mythos. Right. Part of the problem was, is that the last Bond before Daniel Craig was um, Pierce Brosnan. And Pierce Brosnan started out really strong with Goldeneye. That was the very first movie that he did, which Mm -hmm. fun James Bond fact, the same guy who wrote and directed Casino Royale also did
2: Goldeneye.
1: Um. But anyways, back on track here, when Pierce Brosnan was James Bond, pretty much every movie after GoldenEye was not received well. GoldenEye was received extremely well, but all of his other movies were not received that well. And one of the main reasons was that people felt like, as far as reviews and critics go, um, that it was, quote unquote, over the top gadget antics, you know, like just borderline unrealistic and just kind of like an exploding pin and stuff right. like that. Like, Q in this movie even kind of makes a jab mm-hmm. at the Pierce Brosnan movies, kind of poking fun at that. Like About
0: the exploding pins. Right, he's yeah. like,
1: oh, exploding pins, we don't do that stuff anymore. Right. Um, so, he wasn't even in Casino Royale because they were really trying to keep the movie grounded and differentiate it from the Pierce Brosnan movies. Mm-hmm. And I don't have any problem with that because, as I already said, Casino Royale is a great movie and I really like it. But... It's a very different James Bond movie.
0: Yeah, I would agree.
1: You know, it like Skyfall has great car sequences when he's in the Aston Martin. Mm-hmm. It has the great ending action sequence, like really big action sequence in the house at Skyfall Ranch. Yeah. And um, like the villain is phenomenal. Villain is also great in Casino Royale. Mads mm-hmm. Mikkelsen's villain in Casino Royale is great. Um, but Javier Bardem's Mr. Silva and here is really phenomenal. Um, he's just a phenomenal actor. Right. And I also, I think part of why I like Skyfall so much is that the movie kind of, I would, I don't know. I don't know if I would say focuses on him, but she's one of the primary driving points of the plot. Mm-hmm. It's this connection between her and Mr. Silva. Yes. Um, And for me, Judy Dench is phenomenal in this role. Mm-hmm. She just she does such a great job of playing M and being a stern, cold uh director. Mm-hmm. You know, like she she gets things done, but is also, you know, calculating and uh I wouldn't say caring because right. she can't yeah. can't be, but she's present. Right. I guess. As
0: as caring as she Can be be in that position. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: I would agree 100%. And I really felt like in Quantum of Solace and Casino Royale, that M's involvement in the movie was very minimal. Like she was definitely there, not arguing that, but it almost was just kind of a earpiece Bond, what are you doing Mm -hmm. type thing? Whereas this, she has a pretty big role and the motivation for the villain revolves entirely around her. Right. And um, I just think Judy Dench is a phenomenal actor and giving her more time to exercise that as well as kind of her broken relationship with James. Because mm-hmm. she's the one that told uh, Eve Moneypenny to take the shot, mm-hmm. which killed him until they found out he was actually alive. Um, I, I just really like the dynamics of this movie. Yeah, but
0: I agree. Um, so what do you think would be some of your like top favorite scenes in this movie?
1: Good question. I think that probably my favorite scene in the entire movie is just the ending sequence, uh, the battle at Skyfall Manor Mm -hmm. Ranch, whatever you want to call it, James Childhood Mm -hmm. Home. Um, Just because it's it's a big action sequence, there's not a lot of dialogue, and the stakes are really high. Mm -hmm. Um, As the the battle keeps evolving, you see that um, M was shot, but she kind of keeps it a secret to not distract James. Mm -hmm. And uh, her and uh, Kincaid are trying to escape underneath the house to get out to the church, and things look really promising for them until Mr. Silva notices them way off in the distance, and then he's kind of chasing them. And Mm -hmm. it's just, I think one of the major problems that a lot of movies have today are that um, sometimes it can feel like the stakes are non-existent like for instance in a lot of superhero movies um which i'm the biggest marvel comics nerd there is i love dc too um but i will definitely say that there are some times where it feels like well you know that the superheroes are going to win at the end of the movie so it doesn't feel like the stakes are really there Mm -hmm. which is why like infinity war is a really solid movie Uh, Mm -hmm. because they actually lose yeah you know but um so i feel like sometimes in movies today you can feel like the stakes aren't really there Mm -hmm. even if like the movie tries to communicate it you don't really believe it right yeah or i also feel like sometimes you don't get to experience um the main character the protagonist struggling Mm -hmm. you know they For every good movie, TV show, whatever it is, the character needs to overcome something. Mm -hmm. And if there's no struggle, then wherever they end up, it doesn't feel as though they've earned it. You know, so for me, um, I think having James just really getting drilled relentlessly throughout this final battle, like he finally is able to escape the house. But then this massive fireball happens under, when he's underneath um, the in house, and the, the tunnel, because the helicopter falls on the house. Well, you know, there's, he has to kind of hide, and that's, like, that's another struggle while he's trying to escape. Then he finally escapes, and he realizes that Mr. Silva is going after him. Mm -hmm. So he has to go across the ice. Well, the ice starts to crack, but he says, I'm going to risk it anyways and keeps going.
0: Then he gets shot at.
1: Then he gets shot at. The ice cracks more. He makes the decision to just go all in, break the ice, fall underneath and take a guy with him. Mm -hmm. Well, then once you're far enough underwater, it's hard to find your way back out. So he has to swim back down, find a flare, shoot it to light up the water so that he can find the hole, get out. Now he's in freezing water, and gets out, and then has to get to M before Mr. Silva does to save her, you know. And then he finally does, and he kills her or kills Mr. Silva, but then M dies. Right. You know, it's just this constant struggle, this up and down battle of, oh yes, that's good. Oh no, I can't believe that just happened. Mm-hmm. You have this powerful dynamic constantly throughout that final end scene, um, and what I really, really love is the ending. After James throws the knife, mm-hmm. and it hits Mr. Silva in the back, and he kind of walks towards him, falls on the ground, James goes up to him, and he's holding her, and then him and Kincaid realize, like, it's too late, like, she's not going to make it out of here type thing. He's holding her, and she just kind of looks at him, and she says, her, her last line is the character. She just looks at him and says, well, I did get one thing right. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love it so much because you quickly understand what the message is to the audience. That, you know, the, kind of the running thread of the entire movie is that uh, M has made some horrible, horrible decisions that have had terrible, terrible consequences on innocent people.
0: Mm-hmm. People are dying because of her. And, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that
1: she's responsible for all these things and that she's just made these terrible decisions. But for her to be able to recognize and to be able to communicate to the audience that, hey, you did do some things right. And in her words, one thing specifically referring to James, you know, Mm -hmm. picking him out, raising him type thing and and whatever. Um, I think that's huge. But what I really like about it is that they don't outright tell the audience. Mm -hmm. It's not hard to understand or comprehend what she's telling you, but it's just ambiguous enough to Be powerful, mm-hmm. and I, I think that's really cool.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I would have to say that's probably my favorite set of scenes, too. Um, in the movie, I also really like leading up to that. I mean, I just love I love Kincaid, and I love yeah, when, um, you know, when they first get to um, James' house, um, or parents' house, I guess. Yes, and just like the exchange between he and Kincaid, and also how. Like, you know, all of because James asks, you know, if they're, or I guess he doesn't ask, but they go in to see like what weapons are there. Yeah, he asks uh, him if the house still has guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the fact that all of them are gone, but Kincaid held on to his dad's gun and like, yeah, just that, like, in the beginning of all of the action scenes and sequences, that James is using his dad's gun and like that kind of thing. It's just like, uh, I think it's powerful yeah um and then also it's very interesting to me that they included you know like when when um silva is about to walk into the little chapel or church or whatever yes and he sees the headstone of james's father and mother yes and that he like laughs to himself yeah you know i think that's kind of powerful too because it's like you know i don't know How to really explain it, other than just like you know, like oh, it'd really be here, you know, yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. But I just really like how they included those small details, and that I mean, even though they're small, they're powerful.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think part of the cool part about that too, like, well, I guess first I'll agree with you a hundred percent. I love Kincaid Mm -hmm. for being such a like side character, minimal, you know, doesn't have a lot of lines or involvement in the plot. He is really well acted. Yes. And the I would say most people who watch it quickly fall in love with him just mm-hmm. because he's a good character. Right. Um, you know, one of the things I love is Kincaid takes James out um, to shoot his dad's hunting rifle. Mm-hmm. They put the like teacups on the branch and uh, <laughs> he tells James, he's like, now... Don't let it pull to the left or, or something like that. Right. When, when well, just you, like I taught you. Just like I taught you. And James is kind of like slightly offended and almost taken back to that childlike mentality when he says it. And he's like, I I know, you know, I, I think that's just a really great dynamic. Mm-hmm. And then James blasts him, hits him dead on. And he's like, what'd you say you did for a living again? Mm-hmm. It's just, it's well played. Um, I really love it. And I also I think what's really cool about the ending sequence is that the idea of like a a last stand where the heroes are like outgunned completely mm-hmm. yeah, that's a plot detail that's like as old as time, you know like that's in loads of westerns, right? Uh, I've seen it in cartoon like Star Wars cartoons and all that stuff. but that the good guys dig their feet in, they use ingenuity and they're creative mm-hmm. and um, they use what they have and, and they survive, they win. The good beats the evil. Right. And for being something that's just rehashed and rehashed in all sorts of books and movies and TV shows, mm-hmm. it's, it's a great story mechanism. Right. It's fantastic. And I, you know, I love seeing them take apart the shotgun shells. And mm-hmm. fix them into the light fixtures and, like, put bags of nails and screws around it so that when they turn on the light, it blasts that down onto the enemies. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think it, it, for being such a simple, um, very common plot device, they executed it perfectly. Right. And I love
2: that.
0: Yeah. And um, kind of going back to what you were saying earlier, just when they were outgunned, I, I really, I mean, that one scene when, you know, they've basically exhausted all of the things that they created, I guess, you know, like they, yeah. like you said, like the, with the shotgun shells and, um, you know, like blew a ton of guys to smithereens, basically. Right. Um. But and then, you know, James takes a mask off of one of the guys that's laying on the ground, and he's like, he's not here, you know, referring yeah, to Silva. Right. And then you hear the music blasting from the helicopter that's yes. coming in. And it's just like, and then, I mean, when the helicopter lands, you see a ton of guys get out of the helicopter and it's like, Oh great. What are they going to do now? Cause you know, everything right. that they had set up is they just used alri- everything. already used, you yeah. know? And so I think that's really cool too, just cause like it builds a suspense and, um, it just like leaves you on the edge of your seat. So yeah, it's good.
1: Yeah, I think that one thing that this movie does masterfully is create a lot of different scenes, like different settings, different plot points that never feel like they're too much. Right. Like the movie doesn't feel like, oh, this is exhausting. Now, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Type thing. Like it. It's all interesting. It's all woven together very well. Um, but just like, for example, another scene that I like just because it's visually interesting and I I think it's executed well and I enjoy watching it is when they're in Shanghai and that assassin is in that, I don't know, I guess you call it a penthouse and he's cutting out a piece of the glass so that he can shoot somebody from across the skyline Mm -hmm. and, uh, James is like, trying to sneakily get through there because there's all these reflections because, like, all the walls are glass. Right. And you have that huge, like, I guess, billboard. I don't know what's in the background, but it's got, like, scrolling letters and a jellyfish. Yeah, like the glowing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all that stuff. It's just, like, there's no dialogue at all mm-hmm. in that scene, but you can feel the tension, especially when James opens the door and the guy looks because he sees a reflection move and James has to hold it there perfectly so that it, he just sees the jellyfish. He doesn't yeah. see James. Mm-hmm. Like the stakes are really high because right. James could have blown it right there. Mm-hmm. But there's no dialogue. You can still, still feel all the tension. And it's just very visually stunning and, and fun to watch play out. Yeah. So I like that scene too. And I
0: mean, I think it's especially tense because, I mean, that's James first, you know, what's the word?
1: It's like his first mission. His first mission back in the before
0: field. yeah, after he was dead, you right. know. And um, so it's like, okay, even though it's not explicitly said that he didn't pass all of his trainings right. and that kind of thing. Um until you later. You know, yeah, until yeah. later. Yeah. You know that he didn't be just because of the way the M says that he passed yeah. and things. So it just, like, it makes it that much more tense because it's like, okay, this is the first time he's out since he got shot off the train, and it's, I mean, you can tell that he's not what he used to be. Right. So, like, especially because, like, when he is doing all the trainings and stuff and the tests and everything, like, he could not shoot straight, and he, yeah, so it's just... It makes it that much better, I think.
1: Right, yeah, it definitely, there's a lot more riding on it. Right. Um, yeah, I think that's super cool. Fun fact, too, uh, so right before that scene where he's in that Skyline glass uh, room with the other assassin uh, is when Eve Moneypenny shows up at his hotel room or whatever, mm-hmm. and she ends up shaving him, because mm-hmm. um, he was about to shave for the first time, because he's been all scraggly from quote-unquote retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, she actually, the actress, um, oh, I can't think of her name now. Um,
0: Naomi Harris.
1: Naomi Harris. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I was going to say Haley something, but I knew it was wrong. So Naomi Harris actually learned how to shave uh, another person with a straight razor, mm-hmm. which is super impressive. Yeah. Um, I don't remember how many hours she had to do it, but basically went to barber school just for that, yeah, to be able think, to actually do it in camera.
0: I think I had read it was like three hours or something like that. Okay, but I could be wrong. I
1: mean, that's it's just not a skill that people have anymore, right? And to actually have done it like in the shot, that's, yeah,
0: the fact that they didn't use a fake right razor or anything, yeah,
1: that's super wild to me. And it just, I don't know, it makes the movie that much cooler.
0: Mm-hmm. But yeah,
1: yeah. So I know you kind of said that you would say the ending sequence is like your favorite. Do you have any other scenes that you really like or that you would say are your favorite?
0: Mm, I do like the opening scene, you know, just like with like the chase through yeah. the city and, um, like, you know, first they start out in cars and then on bikes and then on the train and, you know, right. um, and I especially like it now that I know, you know, they use Coca-Cola and right. it was actually Daniel Craig doing the stunts. Like it just makes it, more enjoyable to watch knowing the things behind the scenes. Um, I also really like when, um, James is, you know, like right after Silva escapes and James is like hunting him down through the subway station. Yes. And like, you know, um, the, uh, Q tells him that he's dressed like a policeman and James is like, of course he is, you know, and just like him having to track him down. And then jumping onto the end of the subway car getting in and um i also really like when you know silva is in the car ahead of him james is in a different car but they see each other but they have they are forced to just stand there like they can't chase each other what's gonna happen you know they're on a train yeah so um and then you know as soon as the doors open it's like boom they're off and so i i really like that sequence too
1: yeah that's a great sequence i agree was well, there anything else that you want to cover in this week's episode?
0: I think that's it.
1: Okay, awesome. Well, guys, thank you for joining us again. We really had a lot of fun um, talking about this episode. I know it's one of my personal favorite movies. Um, next week, we're going to be covering Tron Legacy, which is one of my all time favorite movies. Um, it is currently streaming on Disney Plus, so if you haven't seen it and you're wanting to, you can check it out on there. But we really appreciate you guys joining us and giving us some love on YouTube with that thumbs up, leaving us a comment. Um, You'd be surprised how big a difference the thumbs up makes. But if you have time for it, it only takes literally one second. So we'd appreciate it. Um, We hope you have a good week and we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.